Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. Your hosts, Nick Wagner and Joshua Johnson, have been described as not blowhards. Join them as they discuss the matters at the heart of the Dynasty community. From rookie advice to trade analysis, plant your flag here. This is the Dynasty Pulse, presented by DynastyFootballWarehouse.com. It's not, it's not essentially so much the actual 40 time as it is the 10-yard split. And part of it is, is, look, we're in an era with some ridiculously talented defensive players. Guys like J.J. Watt with the amazing size, athletic ability, and quickness that they have. These guys are going to blow up a running play in three-quarters of a second. Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Johnson. Uh, with me, as always, is Nick Wagner. He should be joining us momentarily, having a little technical difficulties behind the scenes. But uh, we've got a great show planned for you today as we will talk. Talk uh, Kenneth Dixon versus Paul Perkins. We've got a couple r- rookie running backs. Uh, we also want to do some sit or start. We'll get to some notes as well uh, from the week that was. A little waiver fodder, uh, some dynasty trade analysis, and of course, Mr. Chuck Podice will be stopping by in about an hour to do some ATS picks. Couple week, couple notes from me for Week Ten. Uh, really befuddled by the decision on Thursday night to throw in Josh McCown. Uh, you're down by 13 points. Josh McCown comes in, throws two interceptions fumbles the football and you lose by three touchdowns. I really don't exactly know what the uh what the logic was behind that, but uh not uh not very uh not very impressed by that move by the Browns patch Nick through here. Nick, are you there? I am, I am sorry about that. Josh, how are you? That's fine. That's totally fine. We're doing good. Just talking a, a little notes. Uh what stood out to you from the week ten action, Nick? Uh, well, first off, I just joined, so I'm not sure if I'm going to be repeating stuff you already said. But uh, first off, i got to start with Doug Baldwin scoring three touchdowns against New England. Uh, i got to wonder, is he going to start to go on another second-half tear like he did last year? Uh, then you move to Philadelphia's running back situation. That's just completely impossible to read. You know, I'm pretty sure the only way you started Ryan Matthews is if you were completely desperate. So, of course, he goes off for 138 yards and two scores. Uh, good luck figuring that running back by committee out. Um, you know, it's kind of funny that people say uh, David had a bad week. He still had two touchdowns and over 100 total yards. Uh, but to me, the Titans are the biggest story right now. Uh, Mar- Marcus Mariota has become a weekly must-start guy. Uh, Delaney Walker, nine catches, 124 yards and a touchdown. And then, of course, another big game. ridiculing the offense in Tennessee, Tennessee, saying that it belonged back in the early 90s, and now it's arguably the NFL, don't you think? Yeah, most definitely. Um, kind of breaking up there, Nick. Uh, can, are you still there? I'm still here. Um, okay, sorry. Uh, yeah, for the Titans offense, uh, where I just owed Mariota in my uh, home redraft league, and I was thankful to claim him a couple weeks into the season. And, uh, yeah, I've been starting riding him ever since. Uh, sucks sucks. their bye week is week 13, I'll tell you that much. But uh, I think I got a playoff spot clinched anyway. Um, the uh, the miracle in Denver uh, – excuse me, the miracle by Denver in New Orleans to block that extra point and bring it back, that was absolutely incredible. 
you got to wonder if some other teams are maybe taking notes from that. Obviously, Justin Simmons has got the uh, the 40-plus-inch vertical. I mean, we know Sterling Shepard could do that. We know Corey Coleman could do that. Maybe teams aren't going to be willing to put a wide receiver out there, put their body at risk. But uh, we might see uh, – got to think some teams are taking note of that, and that was obviously the time to take a calculated risk like that. Pretty, pretty impressive play. Um, did Pete Carroll get a little Chip Kelly cocky there, Nick, with going for two at the end of the game? I mean, I don't know why they went for two at the end of the game, so they could win by nine and doing they couldn't score a touchdown and go for two to tie it up. But I, I don't know; it just was not a not a not a decision I probably would have made. I would have probably taken the for sure thing. But you know, Hauschka hasn't been grand this year either. So, um, do you have any other notes there? Well, I just want to add to the that game that I'm sorry but that return the returner stepped out of bounds but because he was wearing the white shoes the refs <laughs> couldn't tell I think it's ridiculous that the NFL allows players to wear white shoes with all the other stupid uniform rules I mean that's basically making the referee's job which is already pretty difficult even harder than it has to be so hopefully they they figure that out and do away with white shoes in the NFL. <laughs> Uh, until then, I think we might see everybody wear white shoes on Sunday. <laughs> if that's if that's all it takes to not not have it definitive evidence, uh, why not? Um, one thing, uh, just in the, a note here that kind of bothers me. In playing Dynasty, obviously trades are a huge part of it. Every single week, people update their trade their trading block. I have no problem with that. I appreciate the fact that people go through on a weekly basis and update it. Because you know some people don't update it. You know I have I have I was at a startup this year, and some people haven't updated it since the since the, uh, the startup draft. You know they're still trying to trade some of the picks they had in the startup draft. That's according to their block anyway. But I just don't get when somebody puts their whole team on the block. It's like okay, yeah, we get it. Everybody's available, but that doesn't really give me any gauge. That doesn't narrow it down. When I see somebody puts their whole team on the block, I mean. I guess I know that most players are available, but it's just, it's, I don't know, it's a little much for me to, like, focus and wrap my head around. You know, rather if you put, like, you know, five or six guys, then I can maybe get a gauge of, of a deal I want to do for you. But if you have your whole team, I just, I just I don't know, it just kind of bothers me. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, I think that's a very good point. Um, and I, I do understand, you know, if you're sitting there with two wins right now, putting your whole team on the block, but, but you do make a very good point about how it's a lot easier to actually get trades done if you uh, if you narrow it a little bit. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, what would you have for waiver fodder this week, Nick? Um, let's see. A couple of veterans are still available in at least one 12-team dynasty league that I'm in, and that's uh, Anquan Bolden, who's done some pretty good things for Detroit. He's got 93 PPR points on the year. And then uh, the tight end, Vernon Davis. His status is Washington's tight end number two, kind of scares some people away, I think. But he's got a lot. Uh, he's got better numbers than some teams' tight end number one, uh, 76 PPR points. Uh, Damian Williams, the backup running back in Miami, is coming off a two-touchdown game. Those are his fourth and fifth scores of the season. If the really heavily used Jay Ajayi were to break down at some point, Williams would vault from bi-week flyer to must-start territory overnight, I would think. And then uh, Chicago wide receiver Marquise Wilson is activated from the PUP list uh, this week. Now with Alshon Jeffrey with the suspension, he could uh, see some uh, pretty decent work uh, when he gets back on the field. Uh, yes, especially for Alshon Jeffrey, kind of uh, out of nowhere. I hope that's good news for my Cameron Meredith share. I think I only have one share of him. A um, couple of guys I wanted to point out. Uh, Darren Waller comes coming out of obscurity there and actually being involved in the Baltimore game plan. I know it was Cleveland, but still, he I thought he looked good. He 
did he score a touchdown in that game? I think he did. Uh, that's probably why I wrote it down. But uh, obviously, tight ends are fin- a finicky thing. But uh, you know, maybe with and he's probably playing because of injuries. But you know, maybe that's a, a, certainly a name to look at as somebody I know who's even in deep leagues probably available at various places. Um, and uh, Corey Toomer, kind of a controversial ad, the linebacker inside linebacker for San Diego. San Diego's obviously on a bye this week. Um, so are the Broncos, Jets, and one more team. I can't think of it. Um, but Toomer's been playing really well the last couple of weeks, but Denzel Perryman and Jatavius Brown have been both hurt. Both of them did not play last week. Toomer stepped up and have, had a big game, trying to get a beat on the situation, and the other two uh, IDP heads here at uh, DFW are kind of button heads in this situation. So I really don't know. Uh, Bill Bill Toomer says no, or excuse me, Bill Latin says no. Bruce says yes on Toomer. So we'll we'll uh, leave that at a controversial ad there in IDP leagues. But he's probably a guy that's available. You know, he's not going to be after this week after having a big week. So certainly, if you have Perryman or Brown, need to need to get that uh, hold on that situation. Toomer's uh, certainly a guy worth adding. Um, it is Dynasty Dilemma time, Nick. Uh, like I said earlier, we'll talk Kenneth Dixon versus Paul Perkins, a uh, couple rookie running backs. Um, oh, and I don't know if I mentioned earlier when we when I was doing the intro before Nick joined, but we are going to be doing some prospect watches. Obviously, we were halfway through the NFL season. Some of you guys are probably already trying to get some high draft picks, so we're going to take a focus, take a look at some draft picks. Uh, guys, possible draft prospects, I should say. So uh, that'll be uh, right before the ATS picks later in the show. So one second. We've learned by the dust of them all, Barter Town's learned. Now when men get to fighting, it happens here. And it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Like I said earlier, uh, we're doing Kenneth Dixon versus Paul Perkins. Nick had the chance to go first, and he chose Perkins. So what do you got for us on Perkins, Nick? Well, these guys are both in uh, crowded backfields this year in Baltimore and New York. Hopefully you're not counting on these two this season, but both of these runners also have a chance to be starters in 2017, and both runners have also seen their usage improve as the season has progressed. Uh, Paul Perkins set career highs in both carries and receptions in Week 9 and then played 40% of the offensive snaps in Week 10. Uh, thus far, neither of these guys has had a real opportunity to shine in the NFL. So, you know, why upon uh, getting the, the question from you asking who, who would I want did I not take to go with Perkins? Well, it's the situation. Uh, New York Giants current starting running back. Nick, are you there? Kind of lost you there for a second. Can you hear me, Josh? Nick, are you there? I am back. We have lots of second again. Sorry. world infrastructure out here. Uh, anyway, did you get uh, up up to that as far as why I uh, decided to go with Perkins? You said you said given the Giants situation, and then we lost you. Okay. Uh, so the New York Giants current starter Rashad Jennings is on the wrong side of 
that at the three, but the, the offense as a whole is more of a sure thing moving forward. They've got an elite wide receiver. They've got another young, talented wide receiver in Sterling Shepard. That means opposing defenses are going to have to continue to focus on the pass, which will lighten the burden when Paul Perkins is running the ball. Plus, he should see more scoring opportunities in a better offense. He's only five foot ten, but he's not 185, 190-pound scat back. At 208 pounds, he's solid enough to get 15 to 20 touches a game. And again, his offense should be way more potent moving forward. Baltimore's best receiver is the ancient Steve Smith, who had planned on already being retired at this point. Uh, next up is Mike Wallace, who's always been inconsistent, and now he's getting older himself. You know, maybe Brashad Perryman, who has 20 receptions in nine games, will develop into a stud. Same with tight end Max Williams, who was put on injured reserve after four games without a catch, but we haven't seen it yet. So just because I trust the future New York Giants offense over Baltimore, I will side with Paul Perkins. Okay. Uh Good points there. Um, I think Perkins definitely stepped into a decent situation with Odell and Sterling there, but I think he is far from being the featured or go-to player in that offense, even if he is the starter at the beginning of 2017. I believe he is not a guy that can handle 200-plus touches annually. Well, wow, sorry to sound so serious there. I'll lighten it up here. Dixon, on the other hand, could be the best – could be the best back of the class if it wasn't for Zeke. An injury delayed his initial appearance, but he is trucking along right now. As Terrence owners wish they would have listened to Jeff Melbostead's stock report a month ago when they told him when he said sell, sell, sell him uh, on West. They did not. Dixon had an encouraging game versus Cleveland last week. Six rushes, 38 yards. Five receptions, 42 yards. That type of usage should excite his owners. Now, I often fall back into rookie ADP as a gauge, but today I'm not going to do that. The road, go down that road, excuse me. Rather, I would like to look at the flip side. Dixon does have a higher ADP slightly, but this also means that you can sell Dixon for more. Let's say you drafted Dixon in the middle of the first and your team is looking like a playoff team. You have gotten this far without using Dixon. Now he is showing progress. And chances are there is another Dixon fan in your league. Especially those look at look especially at those teams in the bottom of your standings. Those teams might have a veteran that can help you with your stretch run and will be willing to trade their first round pick for a player that was drafted in the first round last year, thinking that they're going to get ahead of the game with Dixon, looking to be their start looking to be who's looking to be the starting running back in Baltimore next year. That is your chance to sell. With Perkins, I don't know if anybody is really actively looking to buy him. So if you're a seller, your return will not be greater than the pick that you spent on him. Uh, Any rebuttal there, Nick? Very, very even as far as as I'm concerned. I'm sorry. can, Can you say that again? Uh, we just we you kind of trailed off there. Just these guys are really even. You're basically flipping a coin, and of them I'd be happy to go with moving forward. Yeah, yeah, very very even. Um, I I like I would like to for Perkins' sake. I would like to see the Giants maybe get get some more solidification along that offensive line. They they had some issues there, especially in the interior there. So. Uh, yeah, I just really believe in Dixon's talent. That's why I would, I would, if I had the chance to choose, I would choose. So um, next week we're uh, we're 
we're going for it. We're really going for it. Uh, Stefan Diggs versus Jordan Matthews. So we'll we'll discuss later on who's going to have who, Nick. But uh, should be a should be a good one. Two very very promising young receivers there. Let's get to some sit our start, Nick. Uh, let's look at that Thursday game. Of course, we always want to look at the quarterbacks. What do you think about Drew Brees at Carolina or Cam Newton versus those Saints? Well, I think I have to go with Drew Brees right now. His ceiling is just so high. Early this year against Carolina, he had 465 yards and four touchdowns. He's got six teams with three or more scores and also has six 300-yard games plus two 400-yard games. Uh, Brees has been over 70% completion percentage each of his last four, and those were against good defenses, uh, Kansas City, Seattle, and those Ds. So, yeah, I, you know, I know Cam was good last week, but overall this year he's been a little down, so I'm going to go with Drew Brees. Have these teams played each other already? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Brees, yeah. Yep. Brees, yeah, Brees had uh, 465 yards and four scores against them earlier in their meeting this year. Okay, so maybe maybe that's hurt, hurt Brees a little bit, but even if, you know, Carolina could have a lead in this game, I mean, that could really help Brees, as we know he's got no problem airing it out with, with all the different receivers they have in that scheme. So I, I, I like that, too. Um, uh, side note, non-fantasy, Nick, uh, I got a – every Wednesday, me and my son Henry play the Thursday night game on Madden 17. Who do you, I, and I lost last week, so I, I get to choose. think I should choose the Panthers or think I should choose the Saints? I, I, I'm compelled to cha- take the Panthers because – Henry's a beast when it comes to Cam Newton and running with the quarterback, but uh, what do you think? Um, I think it would depend on, because I don't have this year's Madden, on how updated the rosters are. If uh, the Panthers' ratings have gone down to reflect their record, I would probably decide with the Saints. If it's the... Yeah, they're actually very updated. They yeah, they're... Uh... Oh, you still there, Nick? seem to have lost Nick again. I'm sure he'll call back in a second. Very sorry for the inconvenience. Uh, let's look at uh, Matthew Stafford versus Jacksonville or Eli Manning versus the Bears. Um, I think uh, Nick, are you... I think I'd, yeah, I'm here again. I, I'm about to throw my phone through the window, but <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> Eli Manning has been pretty up and down this year, but I think he does have a higher ceiling. Uh, he's got three games without a touchdown, and one of those was against New Orleans' poorest defense. He's also had three games under 210 yards, uh, whereas Matt Stafford only had one game without a touchdown. He's got four games with three or more touchdowns and only one game under 200 yards. So I think I would uh, side with, uh, with Matt Stafford, even though Eli's got the higher ceiling. Yeah, both of these look like juicy matchups, but I I think I'm going to go – I think I would lean Eli, even though it's a short week. I think I would lean Eli just um, just because Chicago's defense looks so bad right now. I mean, they, they gave up 37 points to Tampa. I, I, I think i got to go Eli there. Um, Aaron – oh, and by the way, the Madden 17 rosters, Nick, they're very updated. I think they update every week if you have, like, an online package or something like that, so – Starkly, starkly updated. Alden Smith is on the Raiders. That's how updated they are. Um, Aaron Rodgers at Washington or Kirk Cousins versus those Green Bay Packers. What do you think? 
Um, well, Aaron Rodgers has 12 touchdowns and only three interceptions over his last four games. And in that span, he's had two 300-yard games, and his worst yardage total was 246. seems like he and Devontae Adams are finally on the same page after a couple years of trying to get there. Uh, you know, if Sean Jackson were to play, I think Cousins could have a good argument. But without the deep threat that he provides, I would take uh, Aaron Rodgers to probably light up the skins this week. Uh, yeah, good point. Um, I, I since I re- finally ridded myself of Deshaun Jackson. <laughs> uh, no offense, I just don't care what he plays again because I got I got enough Jameson Crowder shares. Just he's tearing it up, man. He's so fun I, and so encouraging to see them use that five eight guy in the red zone. I mean, he's getting red zone t- looks and touchdowns. It's awesome. Uh, I I think I would go with Cousins. I just. I know, I know. We know Rogers can turn it on, but we just haven't seen that uh, that same Green Bay Packers that we're accustomed to. And I think this is this is the Sunday night game too. I believe. Um, yeah, I, I look look for Cousins to light it up a bit. Yeah, uh, Green Bay still kind of dinged up in the secondary, so I'll look look for Kurt Cousins to light it up, even without Deshaun Jackson. Jordan Reed, do you know Jordan Reed? Nick is still like in the top five of third down catches even though he's missed did he miss two games with that with that concussion yeah yeah he's a phenomenal player his, his whole career he has been it's just been a, a health issue for him whether or not he can stay on the field but yeah when he is on the field he's tough to stop yeah most definitely what do you think about uh tyrod taylor going to cincinnati well, I'm not going out of my way to start him, but I'm not going out of my way to bench him either. He does have a really nice floor due to his rushing totals. Uh, he's got 362 yards on the year. Uh, he's had a rushing score in each of his last three games, 14 total touchdowns to only three interceptions. So he's a very safe play, but he's also got zero 300-yard games this season and only one three-touchdown game. So he's got a pretty low ceiling as well. So it just depends on your situation. Yeah, Tyrod, sexy, not safe. Or excuse me, safe, not sexy. <laughs> uh, and I didn't mean that to sound gross in any anyway. Um what do you think about um I, I I would probably like yeah, like I like Nick said, I would feel comfortable comfortable using him. Um obviously you're not starting him over a, a marquee guy like a luck or uh you know, I think I would probably just given the matchup and the fact that Cincinnati might be a little pissed, I think I would probably even play like a Cam Newton over Tyrod this week. Uh, what do you think about Andy Dalton in the same game versus those Buffalo Bills? Uh, I think I would feel comfortable with Andy Dalton, uh, especially now that Tyler Eifert's back. That's another uh, talented target for him to get the ball to. So, yeah, I, I, would, yeah, I don't love him, but I, I do like him. Oh, yes. And I can't believe Eli didn't remind me of it, but Dalton did. So I, in our in our uh, owners league here at DFW, I was playing Jay Myers, our our our, uh, our lovely head of head of everything here. Um, going into Monday night, I had a 12 point lead. He had AJ Green and Jeremy Hill. I had Eli. Um, I I don't really know the specifics of it, but I ended up losing by point three points. <laughs> Oh, such a hard, such a hard loss to endure. Um, and what is Eli doing right after they get that interception late? Eli just walks out there and just throws an throws an interception, gets the ball right back to him, and that's that was probably ultimately the difference in the world. Obviously, AJ and Jeremy Hill both had touchdowns in that game, but uh, uh, not a not a fun way to. I, I had so many 
so many games, so many balls in the air for that Friday night, or for, excuse me, for the Monday night to end this week, and I lost every single game. <laughs> Just uh, I, that, and that was obviously the one I wanted the most because I had Jay on the ropes and were the top two teams in the league, and it just uh, just frustrating. Anyway, where were we? Running backs. What do you think about Tim Hightower at Carolina or Duke Johnson versus those Pittsburgh Steelers? Okay, so uh, Hightower or uh, Duke Johnson. I, you know, it's been a nice couple yes. run for a couple weeks for Hightower, but his time does kind of appear to only had eight runs and two carries last week, or two receptions last week. Uh, Duke has at least two receptions each and every week at passing game running back in Cleveland. I would think he would see a lot of work uh, against a hot pitch team when uh, players jump out to an early lead. Yeah, I kind of feel that way too. Uh, a little risky playing those guys on the. Uh, those uh, running backs, anybody really, uh, I think, on Thursday night, especially a guy like Hightower who's not necessarily the lead back, that is a tough matchup too. We saw uh, both Spencer Ware get really controlled last week so uh, uh, versus Carolina. So I think I would definitely lean Duke Johnson there too. Um, what do you think about Terrence West versus the Dallas Cowboys, Nick? Uh, I would sit him if possible. Over the last four games, he's had zero games that he reached four yards per carry. Uh, two of those games, he was under one and a half yards per carry. So he's not playing very well. I mean, yes, he did see 15 carries in three of those But even with the volume, none of those games did he reach 90 yards, and he had zero touchdowns over the last three weeks. So if I have any other options at all, I'm going to sit Terrence West. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I mean, I'm I'm in a couple situations where – He's kind of my second or running back 2.5, if you will. And uh, one one instance, I got uh, Freeman, Devontae Freeman on a bye. So he's not uh, – I might end up having to play him. We didn't really see anything of him on Sunday night, Nick. But what do you think? Is it time for Deion Lewis? I mean, I know he's a New England running back, but what do you think? Kind of lost Nick there again. Um, I, I, you know, we talked fully about these New England running backs before and how, you know, they're so weird, hard to get a beat on. Obviously, Blunt's been as consistent as they come for a New England running back this year. Um, Lewis, when he was healthy last year, he really, really turned things on. He really was able to kind of buck that trend as well just because of the PPR value he adds. I know they have officially said he's still behind James White. Uh, obviously, he just needs to make one one play, and I think I think that will change. Um, what, what, what do you think about Deion Lewis there, Nick? Well, yeah, and, you know, he is behind James White, and James White's uh, numbers aren't even that great. He's, uh, you know, only around 400 total yards, 33 receptions on the year three touchdowns. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if they ended up splitting the passing downs eventually, which would make both both of them pretty much unstartable in fantasy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a hard call there. What do you think about Robert Woods at Cincinnati or Brandon LaFell in the same game? Well, I think right now Brandon LaFell is pretty much unplayable now that Tyler Eifert is back. Plus, you got 
rookie Tyler Boyd starting to get looks there too. Uh, LaFell's only had only had one catch under ten yards each of the last two weeks. Uh, now Robert Woods likely repeat his ten catch for 162 yard performance from week nine, but he's an easy play over LaFell. Yeah, I agree too. And LaFell always seems to get those touchdown two touchdown games when you least expect it. So good luck getting him in your lineup when it matters, but. Like Nick said, with Eifert there and Boyd's emergence, he's he's kind of becoming a forgotten man. And I, I was kind of surprised he rose up through the ranks as he did in there, but uh, he's kind of sliding back down now. Uh, what do think about Tajay Sharp at the Colts or Philip Dorsett versus the Titans? Uh, I'm going to lean with Tajay Sharp. Uh, seven catches for over 120 yards and one score over the last two weeks. Uh, mostly siding with him, though, because the Titans' offense is really humming right now. I think he, he's probably had a better touchdown chance than this old Dorsett, whose lone score this year was way back in week four. Yeah, Dorsett is, is not uh, just really not uh, doing it for <laughs> for anybody right now. I, oh, I really wish I had a trade. When I could, when I had the chance to. Anyway, Philip Dorsett available in DFW 16. Sharp, like Nick said, has done a little bit better recently, and he's hopefully looking to break out. Kendall Wright and Richard Matthews have been very effective, and I hope that hopefully that's good for his his production as well. We did this one last week, Nick. What do you think about Chris Hogan at San Francisco or Sterling Shepard versus the Bears? Two juicy matches. Yeah, and Shepard's got a much nicer floor. He's got back to games with a touchdown. But, I mean, come on, Tom Brady versus a not-very-good San Francisco team with Gronk likely out, I would trust Hogan, even though he is coming off a game with zero catches. But he was a game-time decision last week, was kind of injured. So hopefully he's healthier this week, and I think I'd, I'd roll with him. Yeah, we'll see. With yeah, with the Gronk, I, don't, I really don't see any scenario where Gronk is effective if he plays at all. Wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play or if he does, like, you know, the 11 snap thing like he did his first week back uh, this year. There's no reason to play him in this game. Uh, uh, so that hopefully that helps Hogan out. Shepard's just so fun to watch. But because that Chicago defense is, is what it is, they might not really need to to use Shepard a whole lot. They might, Eli might not have to throw it more than – 25 or 30 times he's probably he could be under the 25 marks uh i would probably lean hogan there what do you think about john brown at minnesota john brown so that to be very desperate to play john brown yeah i was hoping for big things from john brown this year that just hasn't been the case um uh, yeah, this is this is a tough matchup and a really hard secondary. Kind of a an interesting matchup as two teams that I think are definitely underachieving right now. I mean, I just can't figure out what Arizona's doing. How did they not just demolish San, uh, San Fran last week? That they just can't be a division game. What do you think? Cameron Meredith probably a pretty easy play this week, Nick, given the Alshon Jeffrey news. Yeah, it seems real. To maybe compare him to some of the guys we discussed already, I'd probably start him over uh, Brown, Dorsett, Tajay, and LaFell, but I'd sit him behind Hogan, Shepard, and Woods. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, the Giants have, have certainly sh- shown to be vulnerable on the on the edges there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if you, you know, 
I'm about, yeah, like Nick said, there's certain guys that you're going to play over him. I don't think, uh, I don't, there's a lot of situations though, where he's certainly the, a really good play just because they could be down in this game. And you know, his, his inner Jay Cutler's turnovers don't count against him. What do you think about Adam Thielen versus Arizona? Now I read earlier today that Patrick Peterson is going to be locked up on, uh, the Stefan Diggs. So what do you think about Thielen against the rest of that secondary? Well, Thielen's only got one game over 70 yards and only two scores on the season. I think if you need a guy who will for sure get four to five TPR points on a good day, you can go ahead and start him. But, you know, if it's upside you want, I would look elsewhere. Yeah, he got himself in the end zone last week, I think, uh, which kind of surprised me. Um, I I just think he's not the focus of of defensive game plan, so he might uh, he might end up having having a decent day. He's he's probably at best a wide receiver five this week on your team, though. Um, what do you think about the tight ends for the Monday night game? C.J. Fedorowicz at Oakland, or excuse me, C.J. Fedorowicz versus Oakland, and Clive Wolford versus Houston in Mexico City. Nick, what do you think? I'm going to take CJ even with the poor quarterback situation. Uh, since week four, he's had at least five PPR points every game and scored three touchdowns in those six games, whereas Walford only has one three reception game since week two. Uh, and the 31 yards is high yardage total in that stand and touchdown. So I, I, I got to go with CJ all the way. Yeah, yeah, Walford's been really inconsistent, and I think it's no coincidence that he's consistent since tight, uh, blocking tight end Lee Smith was lost for the year. He just has a lot more responsibility blocking-wise, and, and I don't blame Oakland for getting him uh, more involved in that. That's only going to help help them, you know, not necessarily his fantasy stats, but it's going to help this team uh, remain successful. So he he's a really inconsistent player right now, but I – I'm still I'm still a buyer on his stock. He's just a guy you're going to have to sit on probably I think until until next year. So, uh, what do you think about uh, IDP side here, Nick? Trey Flowers at San Francisco or Brandon Graham at Seattle? You're back on. Uh, Trey Flowers, he's he's really coming on. He's had a couple really, really solid weeks. Um, Graham is has been a great penetrating defensive end. He's really been setting the edge and getting getting involved. You know, rushing the passer. I I think he's got a, he's got himself an issue with Russell Wilson this week. He's going to be a little bit more mobile. Trey Flowers isn't necessarily a a majority snap count guy, but I think you just got to ride the hot hand right now there with, with those two backs. So um, I, I, I like that. Uh, I think I would stay there with, uh, with Trey flowers. He's just seems to be uh, the hot hand right now. Um, William Golston in Kansas versus Kansas city. He's, he's another guy that's really stepped up his game. He's, he's put together a, a some really good, few good years in a row there for Tampa Bay. And uh, I think we're you're seeing he uh, he's kind of like a Tyrod Taylor. He's not a not a sexy play, but he is certainly a safe play. You know he he might have a uh, you know one tackle, one assist game here and there, but he's certainly a guy that uh, uh, if you need a if you need an upside play, he's a, certainly a decent guy to uh, throw out there. Nick what, Nick, what do you think about William Golston versus Kansas City? 
Well, he's not a sack-heavy scoring league guy. He's only had two and a half sacks on the year, but he's had at least three tackles every week since week two. And four tackles every game since. I think you could do a lot worse than William Golston. Yeah. Uh, it's a time for Ziggy Anza. They play Jacksonville this week. Nick, what do you think about Ziggy Anza versus the, the Jags? Well, he's coming off his best game of the year with five tackles, but he missed three weeks earlier in the season. Hadn't had more than two tackles in a game until last week, so I would personally prefer to wait until he had at least strings together a couple of decent games before rolling him out. Yeah, you know, he's he's not a sack-dependent guy, but he, he's certainly a guy that was can get after it and do some good things. Uh, but obviously the sack's. Or help everybody's going to take those sacks as well. So, uh, but Nick's Nick's probably smart to wait on him. What do you think about Nigel Bradham at Seattle or Carlos Dansby versus the Buffalo Bills? Uh, you know, it's mostly due to the matchup that I'll take Dansby. Uh, Buffalo runs the ball a lot, and that should mean work for the linebacking core. They're both decent players, though. Yeah, I, I'm not sure about Dansby. You know, with the heightened age, he's kind of has those games where he's going to disappear here and there. Um, uh, so uh, yeah, he's he's a hard, he's a hard call. Bradham seems to be a little bit uh, a little bit more of a, a consistent type of player. So uh, I think I'll, I think I would probably stick with Bradham just because we know Seattle's going to try to get. Uh, Get get their ball on running the ball with Thomas Rawls back there finally now and and Procise you know they'll try to get him matched up with some linebackers and maybe Bradham can steal himself a a big time turnover there or something something in that nature. Um, Keenan Robinson at Chicago or Nick Perry versus the Washington Redskins. Nick, what do you think about Wash Robinson at Chicago? versus Chicago or Dick Perry at Washington? I think Perry's the easy choice in sack-heavy scoring leagues, and I think I would probably put him in standard IDP leagues as well. Uh, Robinson's got better tackle numbers on the season, but if Chicago struggles to string drives together, that could hurt Robinson's numbers, whereas I think the skins offense should be on the field more, so more tackle opportunities. Yeah, it's a hard call. Perry, Perry certainly has had a few big games together. Robinson has slowly just been just been cooking there. So um uh, I think I would probably stay with Robinson just just because there's just a little bit more open for him. Uh Perry Riley, Nick, I wasn't sure how safe Perry Riley was in Oakland. It's not like he's blowing up the stat chart, but uh they they're already talking about him in their plans for next year. What do you think about him this week versus Houston? I like him this week. I know he's had three or fewer tackles each of the last four weeks, but he's going to be playing a run-heavy team with the subpar quarterback who's kind of mistake-prone, so I think his numbers should improve this, this week. Yeah, he's he's a, a, another safe type of play there. I, I, I like him. And, and Oakland, with with the, the confidence Oakland has in him already, I think he's only going to get better. He's a, a savvy veteran that's been around, so, uh, you know, he's – He's gonna have he's gonna have some probably some snap count issues here and there. He's gonna lose some here and there, but I think he's a nice a nice solid play, a safe play. What do you think about Kevin Byard 
at Indianapolis or Tavon Tavon Wilson versus Jacksonville? Well, Bayard's been putting up pretty good numbers lately, 24 tackles over his last three games. I would roll him out against an Indianapolis team that, you know, the Colts play offense in the first and second halves, whereas Jacksonville goes three and out until halftime and then only puts drives together in the second half. So I, I go with Bayard. Yeah, good point, too. Bayard got himself a sack last week, too, so he's he's kind of a, a, a guy who can play both safety roles as far as I'm concerned, and He's, uh, he's. I think we'll see more of that. Maybe more of him in the box there too. I like, I like Byard. I like what he's doing. You think about Anderson Deho versus uh, Arizona. Now he's not a sexy player at all, and not too many Minnesota people love this guy. But he's had a solid year and just really getting the job done. What do you think? Yeah, he has had a good season. Other than his first game returning from an injury where he had three tackles, Sandejo's gotten between four and 11 tackles every full game he's played this season. So I I do like him versus a potent, yet also mistake-prone Cardinals offense. Yeah, he's made a couple of really acrobatic interceptions, too, which have really impressed me. I I didn't know he had that in him. But, uh, you know, he's he's doing all right. And if they can let uh, that helps Harrison Smith, they, they really can't complain there. Um, here's another guy, a little dinged up. What do you think about LaMarcus Joinder? When he's played this year, he's been a really effective player. What do you think? Versus yeah, you're LaMarcus Joinder, the Rams. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, against the Dolphins, he's, he's had pretty consistent tackle numbers this year for a cornerback. And playing a Miami team that throws a lot of short passes, he could approach a season high of 10 tackles, which he had in week six. Yeah, very good point there. Um, let's uh, shift to some uh, dynasty trade analysis there. I, I'm also playing Joiner, a couple leagues where I have to play him, so I, I like I like him a lot. And he's a guy that kind of does that corner safety nickelback type of thing. So he's he's certainly a guy that's going to give you more more upside than your average uh, cornerback uh, does. Uh, interesting one here pulled from Twitter: Kevin Coleman, Sterling Shepard. 2017 third for Will Fuller, uh, Nelson Aguilar, and a 2000 Sammy Coates in a 2017 second. What do you think? I think this depends on whether you're trying to win now or building for the future. If you're trying to win now, definitely the side that got Tevin Coleman, Sterling Shepard in the third is better off, uh, simply because, you know, Sammy Coates has a broken hand, so he's not really able to catch the ball at this point. Uh, Will Fuller's dealing with the questionable quarterback situation, and Nelson Aguilar just hasn't really done anything yet. So if you're building for the future, though, I do like the side that picked up uh, Fuller Coates in the second. Yeah, it's still – I hear what you're saying, but I still think it's a pretty big risk because we're looking at, you know, Shepard's a rookie. Coleman's just in his second year. Having, he's been dinged up and missed the last couple of games, but he's having a hell of a year. I, I just don't get given up on, on those guys just to gain, you know, a, a one extra receiver and a second-round pick. So I think I would certainly stick with the side where just the better players lie. Um Pretty interesting, Nick. I think we've seen a lot of Mike Evans trades this off season and building up into the season, and now kind of as he's not like he's emerged. Everybody knew what he was, but now as he's just proven again that he's their sol- a solid receiver, I think people keep getting better, better and better deals for. It. What do you think about Mike Evans for Devontae Adams, Dante Moncrief, and Devin Funchess? 
Well, to me, this trade all boils down to whether or not you believe Devontae Adams can sustain the production that he's had over the last month or so. Uh, if you do have faith in him, then I have no problem giving up Mike Evans for that package. I personally don't believe he's going to be as good as he's been the last month. So, yeah, I, I, I would not give up Evans for that package, but I understand why someone would. Yeah, and maybe maybe I'm just flat out wrong about him, but I'm not ready to give up on Dante Moncrief. I still think there's there's something there. And T.Y. has been awesome, and that, that only helps him, right? So I, I think I would probably stick – I mean, I would I like Mike Evans, no, you know, no, no disrespect, but I, I like the kind of upside, and Adam, like Nick said, Adams has certainly proven his doubters so far, you know, over this last month – even if he doesn't sustain it, Moncrief, I don't know if he's a legit wide receiver one down the rule, but uh, I, I understand both sides of this. I think you're getting a good package there for Mike Evans, and if you're giving up those guys for Mike Evans, you're probably you're probably just going really going for it this year. So I, I understand both sides. Um, this one kind of took me by surprise. Uh, another Devontae Adams trade here. Devontae Adams for Jeremy Hill. 2017 third and the 2017 fourth. What do you think? Okay, I'm sorry about that. Nick's still having a little bit of an issue with the phone. Phone service in Hawaii needs to uh, needs to help us out today. We're not going to promote you ever again that we have before. But anyway, um, I I don't get this. I feel like that's a lot to give up for Devontae Adams. Um, I just, uh, I just, yeah, that's, that's just so much to give up to Devontae Adams. I, I just, I, I don't, I don't agree with it. Hill's been up and down, but he got himself another touchdown last week. Uh, I just, I just think that's a lot to give up for Devontae Adams. Nick, what do, what do you think? Yeah, it, it is a lot to give up, but I, I don't have a problem with it. <laughs> I just don't, you know, just to, you know, flyers at that point. So I, I think I, I, would, I would give that up for Devontae Adams. Yeah. Oh. I, I mean, I, yeah, I guess I understand what you're saying, but uh, uh, I don't know. It's, it's a hard call there. Um so, like I said earlier, we're going to take a look at um, some prospects. I asked Nick to look at his Oregon Ducks and look at running back Royce Freeman. So, what what do you got for us on Royce Freeman, Nick? Well, there's a lot to like, starting with his size. He's around 5'11", 230, and he's got pretty decent speed for a big guy as well. Freeman was ultra-productive in his first two seasons at Oregon, over 1,300 yards and 18 scores as a freshman, then up to 1,800 yards and another 17 touchdowns in his sophomore year. He also caught 42 passes over that span against only two dropped passes, so he is an able contributor in the passing game. Now, this season hasn't been as good. Freeman has battled injuries, and even when playing, doesn't look like himself. And part of that could be due to the fact that the team around him is by far the worst Ducks team in recent memory. So as long as he checks out physically at the Combine, I wouldn't hold this year again. 
Now, Pro Football Focus's Gordon McGinnis uh, wrote a great article before the season detailing how good Freeman was in 2014 and 2015. A couple things that he mentioned, uh, Freeman is very elusive and powerful, as evidenced by his 44 forced missed tackles in 2014. And in 2015, he had Pro Football Focus's third highest elusive rating when he forced 89 total missed tackles. And I know there's a bit of a stigma that Oregon running backs are just products of the system, but guys like the Michael James and DeAnthony Thomas are seriously lacking in the size department. While the last bigger backs come out of Eugene, LeGarrette Blount has put together a fine career in the pros. Uh, with Freeman's down here in 2016, he could wind up being a draft day steal, both in the NFL and in Misty drafts. Uh, yeah, yeah, good points there. I got a little heat for not including him in my, my top running back for uh, the debut reports after the season, excuse me, after the NFL draft. I wrote debut reports for all the divisions, and I, I just, I haven't, I don't just didn't see enough of him and I need to go back and watch film and I haven't caught a lot of film on him yet this year obviously we're going to start focusing on that now that we're halfway, halfway through the NFL season so I, I like him and, and I hear what you're saying about the LeGarrette Blunt combination you know combination of speed and size I think he's certainly a, a quicker athlete there so we'll we'll see we'll see what but Nick like Nick said he could be a certainly a great a great steal um no I took Wayne Gallman another guy I'd include in my dev reports last week and I excuse me, this past summer with those debris reports, but I was kind of, I don't know, maybe I was expecting too much. I, I've heard a lot of people glowing about him, so I was I was kind of expecting to be impressed, and, and I really wasn't. Obviously, I would go back and watch more film. I watched three games and kind of, kind of was just a little surprised by his upright running style. Runs very upright, much like a guy like TJ Yeldon or Darren McFadden. We, we, we both know you know, McFadden's health issues, we've mocked him very much so on the podcast because of that. Um, and we've seen, you know, Yeldon just not be very effective this year. So I, I I think that just concerns me. I don't see a lot of a lot of body bend there. And he, he is six one, two fifteen, so a little bit taller for a running back and kind of it kind of light for that that hype I think. So he he's also not a very creative runner. I think he lacks lacks true explosion. Like you'll see him kind of go through holes, but he kind of he kind of tiptoes or dances. He doesn't like explode through the hole like you like you typically see with like a guy like Ezekiel Elliott or even like a Samaje Piran out of Oklahoma. He definitely screams third down slasher back to me. Um, I just I think he's very solid in pass protection, which will certainly help. And he has very good hands out of the backfield too, so that's kind of why I want to re- reinforce the the third down thing. A um, couple, probably about a month ago, I heard Daniel Jeremiah say that multiple GMs have said to him that he is a fourth round type of player, which means he's probably likely a third round player uh, in a class with a potential of half of a dozen three down running backs. I just don't think Gallman's a top ten rookie pick at this point in my eyes. So I. Did not come away impressed. If you if you know a game out there where I will be super impressed by Gallman, certainly tweet me. I want I want to I want to check it out. So I, I I just wanted to see it see it for myself. So I'll I'll, I'll leave it at that. Have you any any, any thoughts on Gallman there, Nick? Uh, no, I have not had a chance to scout Gallman yet. So okay, and they Clemson interestingly enough allowed Goldman and quarterback Deshaun Kaiser and I think wide receiver Mike Williams to compete or to be a part of senior day this week. So they, even though they're juniors, so that 
tells us for sure that they are uh, they're coming out. So let's Goldman will certainly be out there. It'll be interesting to see where both of these two guys go. Um, you know, like I said, there's kind of an, up, an upper echelon of running backs as far as I'm concerned in this draft. Uh, these two guys are probably on the on the outer edge of that. You know, probably running back six and seven, maybe five and six, depending on, or yeah, probably six and seven. So uh, we'll leave it at that. Uh, we have Mr. Chuck on the line. Let's patch him through. Chuck, are you there? Wow, hang on a second. Let me take you off my speaker. All right, I'm here. We got we got to you earlier. We took caught you off guard. I, I know. I just I was uh, you know just still messing around, getting a cup of coffee and everything, and uh, and uh, we're good. I'm okay. All right, coffee sounds good. It is. It's starting to get a little uh, starting to get a little chilly here in Las Vegas. It's uh, going to be down to sixty tomorrow. Oh well. <laughs> the high here today is 48, which I I really can't complain because it's typically uh typically a lot colder. I feel like I'm really I'm really complaining about the weather a lot earlier typically this year, especially on the podcast. And some of you know if you're longtime listeners, and I I, ha- I haven't, but uh, we have snow in the forecast tomorrow here. So enjoy those sandy beaches, Nick. Now. Um... Is this going to, you know, I mean, I, I was just thinking about this last night. This is about the time we have to start checking the forecast before we do our, uh, before we do any picks and, and uh, see where the bad weather is going to be. Have you, uh, is that going to affect any games up there, Josh? Um, well, Minnesota's inside, Green Bay, yeah. Washington. Let's see. Maybe, yeah. maybe it affects the, maybe it affects Tampa Bay, but I, I don't think we're getting, you know, that first snow of the year, you know, it's this little happy, maybe one or two inches, but the ground's still kind of warm, so it doesn't really yeah. stick around. It's kind of weird. I hate to be surprised by this stuff. You know, living in a, in a climate where we don't get any snow, I, I remember, you know, uh, you wake up on Sunday morning and they'll go, there's snow in Philadelphia, you know, and I'll go, oh, man, I didn't even think about that. Kind of affects your picks, doesn't it? Well, uh, yeah, certainly, certainly can. All right. You want to know how we did last week? Do we? <laughs> well, actually, our sweeps were five and two, you guys. Well, there you go. We lost on Cleveland. We won on uh, the Houston Texans, the Chiefs, the uh, Redskins, the Tennessee Titans, and the Cowboys. And then we lost on Arizona. And uh, as far as each of us goes, let's see. I had a good week. I was nine and five, and you were both right at the uh, Mendoza line, seven and seven. But as you guys know, in Las Vegas, if you're even, you're behind. Yes, got to pay because that too big. But nonetheless, since we're not betting any money, five hundred is good, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll take it. Okay, so you, you ready for this week? Thursday night. I'm yes. sorry. I'm kind of <laughs> was waiting for you to say something. Where's your reactions? Are you okay, Josh? I'm all right. You feeling all right? Okay, Nick, good. Nick, I am. Nick, Nick's having phone trouble, so we might lose him here and there. But uh... oh, <laughs> I thought I heard I thought I heard a couple glitches there in the, in the couple minutes I was listening. All right, uh, good week coming up this week. A lot of tough games. I had a I had a hard time picking on many of these, but uh, let's start with the Thursday night game. The New Orleans Saints are in Carolina to, you know, as far as the Thursday night matchups go, this is not a bad one. Carolina favored by three and a half in this game. 
Uh, um, I think that's too many points for a division game. I know I say that all the time, but uh, I wrote down three as my projected stat. Uh, my excuse me, my projected line. So I think, think since you're giving me that extra half point, I'll take uh, take New Orleans. What do you think there, Nick? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with New Orleans too. Carolina is just in a tailspin right now, and you know if they were playing a, a poor team, I would probably go with Carolina at home. But the Saints are are better than that, so I'm going to go with the Saints. Yeah, Nick, you've, I think, and I think you know everybody's noticed that New Orleans is a is, is not a bad team. I mean, when you think of them, you don't think of you know a team that, that is probably going to lose on the road anymore. They're uh, you remember when we talked about their home road split, you know, or especially with Drew Brees. Uh, Brees has not been that bad this year on the road and has been able to lead the team well. You know, the the one reason I'm picking New Orleans is because the one chink in the army of armor of Carolina has been their passing game. So that's playing right into the Saints' hands, and Brees has actually been better on natural turf on the road this year than he has been on artificial turf, although I think he's just played one or two games. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and go with you guys, and we're going to make it a sweep on Thursday night. I'll go ahead and take the Saints plus the three and a half. All right. First clean sweep. Five and two last week. I love it. Yeah, that's right. Okay, people better listen. Uh, Sunday, (laughs) starting with the early games, the Tennessee Titans are in Indianapolis. And the Colts are favored by three points. Remember, we swept it last week on Tennessee over Green Bay. But uh, the Colts are three-point three, three point favorites at home here. Uh, yeah, quite the game. I feel like every time I checked in on that, Tennessee had scored another touchdown. But, uh, yeah. Um, what did you – you said three and a half? Uh, just three points. Just three. Um, I – I think I'll go Tennessee. I just I think they have some good things going, and I think the Colts are the worst team against the pass right now. So uh, yeah, why, why not? Let's let's go with Tennessee, Nick. What do you think? Yeah, the Colts don't have the defense to be able to slow down this Tennessee offense that's just firing on all cylinders right now. So I think the Titans will flat out win the game, not just cover the spread. So Tennessee. Yeah, you guys, I'm trying not to be sucked in by how good Marcus Mariota has been the past few weeks. Um, and I, I was kind of looking for a reason to pick Indianapolis in this game. But but here's the strange thing. Both teams in their last game beat Green Bay. You remember that Indianapolis beat the Packers and they had <laughs> yeah. to buy. And Tennessee beat Green Bay last week. So uh, So how do you figure? Um, you've got payback for Tennessee because Indianapolis beat them the first time they played this year. You've got to, you're getting points with Tennessee, and uh, the last time Tennessee played in the dome was we, you know before we even knew how good they were. Uh, they beat the Lions indoors, so I'm going to say Tennessee's going to feel right at home. It's a, a divisional game, payback and all that, and uh, I'll take Tennessee plus points here. We're all on the same page. Another sweep. Mm-hmm. You know, before we go on, I, I thought of something I was going to tell you guys. I heard one of the guys from one of the local sports books. They have they have the, uh, pretty cool radio shows around here where they'll uh, they'll do an hour and they'll talk to uh, sports book directors from some of the casinos. And I can't remember who they were talking to, but he said that the casino was a winner. And uh, they won seven figures from the players last year. That's that's what kind of weekend it was uh, in the pros. Now we went five and two in our sweeps, so it means that maybe we're starting to think like handicappers here. 
and not just the general public. <laughs> or, <laughs> or we thought opposite of what the Sharps did. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, the Sharps are the ones that win. You know, luck. when when there's big when there's big public money on these games, that's when the casinos win. So we're going against you know conventional wisdom, and uh, and we're getting smart here. That's that's all I'm saying. Okay. Let's move on to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, I know the the blind kid pig finds an acorn once in a while, but when you find it, and nobody <laughs> else finds it, then you feel better about it. All right, Jacksonville is in Detroit to play the Lions. The uh, Lions are favored by six and a half points in this one. Wow, that's a lot of points. I don't think Detroit's beaten anybody by that this year, but. Uh, so I'll, I'll take Jacksonville. I, I don't think Jacksonville wins, but I, I think that's just too many points. What do you think, Nick? I agree with you, and I don't like it. I wouldn't be touching this one if I was actually in Vegas. But, yeah, I think Jacksonville can keep it closer than six and a half points. Detroit's, Detroit's good, but they're not good enough to be favored by that much. You guys are both taking the Jacksonville squad? Yeah, uh, I was I was all set to take Jacksonville because uh, the Lions haven't won by more than six all year, um, but the Jacksonville D is uh, is worse versus the run than the pass, and and uh, uh, they they get blown out by good passing teams. The team the games that uh, Jacksonville has lost, like San Diego and Oakland, the uh, the quarterback with the big arm, they got blown out. So I'm putting Matthew Stafford in that category, and. Um, I, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Detroit to to win this one easily. I'm gonna go against you guys. Sorry about that, but uh, this was one that it could have gone other way. Either way, I just uh, I just don't trust Jacksonville as much as I trust Detroit. Let's put it that way. And at six and a half, all they have to do is win by a touchdown and an extra point, which isn't so easy. You know, if you ask the Saints, right? All right. True. Detroit, uh, so I picked Detroit. You guys took Jacksonville. Moving on, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who won a rare home game last week, are now on the road to take on Kansas City, and the uh, Chiefs are favored by seven and a half. Wow. Um, that seems like a lot of points, but I, um, I, I think – they have enough answers for Tampa, so I'll take Kansas City. I don't love it, but uh, what do you think, Nick? Yeah, I'm with you. And if Tampa Bay was healthy, especially in the running back department, I think I might uh, side with Tampa Bay, but uh, you know, they're going to such a one-dimensional offense now, uh, so I think Kansas City's got a good enough defense to slow them down and win this one by over seven and a half. So go Chiefs. Yeah, you always like the uh, the Kansas City defense at Arrowhead, don't you? Uh, Tampa Bay has been good on the road so far. They, uh, but I, I, you, you get the feeling that they could implode at any time. Um, this line is inflated because of their win over Chicago last week. I mean, remember Chicago was favored in that game, and if uh, if the Bears would have beaten Tampa Bay, probably we're, we're thinking you know a few more points, maybe eight and a half or nine points. Kansas City's favored by here. Then it might have been, you know, I might have been taking Tampa Bay, but um, I like the Chiefs. I like an arrowhead, and, you know, a lot of times, uh, Josh, I know you brought it up one time, Kansas City isn't good enough to uh, cover a big spread like that, but it, 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 against Tampa Bay, I think they are. 
<laughs> and at Arrowhead. So, you know, it's rare that I will take uh, Kansas City as more than a touchdown favorite, but I'm going to go ahead and do it here and just kind of hold my breath. Mm-hmm. Another sweep. Yeah, you know, I kind of – yeah, another sweep. I kind of also think it's – KC is kind of one of the hardest places to play in the NFL. And all due respect to Seattle and New England and, and even the Saints when they're rolling at home. But if especially for a guy like James Winston, if you haven't played there before, it's I – mean, and I know he's played in front of more people in the in college and, and national championship games and stuff, but it's a tough place to play. Those Kansas City fans are loud and loyal. They're just, it's first time quarterback going in there. It's kind of hard to have any confidence at them. So leave it at that. <laughs> okay. Um, the next game, sorry, I'm checking out that there's been a lot of line changes since I did this just this morning. So um, the next game is no exception. The uh, Chicago bears are at New York to take on the giants and they were, the giants were seven point favorites this morning. They are now seven and a half point favorites. Wow. Keeps going up, huh? Um, well, is it safe to say you were right about Jay Cutler last week? Oh, Lord, and We've I still picked the before. Bears last week. I still picked the Bears. <laughs> uh, I mean, look, you know, you know, Cutler, what did, I think he had two interceptions and two fumbles. Um, that's the Jay Cutler we know. Um, so, oh, this is that's this is the Bears game, isn't it? Oh, I got to pick this one first. Yeah. All right, all right. Uh, I just, I, I'm sorry, Bears. I don't have any faith in you. They're they're imploding, and now that Cutler is has gone back to what he is, uh, Mister Turnover. Um, the Bears <laughs> lost by double digits to Dallas and Philadelphia, two other games in the there two other teams in the NFC East, and I don't see any reason to not expect them to lose by double digits to the Giants. I'm going to take the Giants. I mean, you know, whether it's seven or seven and a half, uh, still that's not 10 or 15 points, which is what I think they're going to lose by. So uh, let's take the Giants. Yeah, I think the only question you have to ask yourself is who's going to cover Odell Beckham? (laughs) Oh, and then, yeah. yeah, there's a few more, a few more guys in this offense to, to be concerned about. So, yeah, I think I hate to have confidence in the Giants because when I do, they kind of let me down. But I think if they're going to win any game by double digits this year, it's this one. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I agree, and it's it's risky because you never know when Eli Manning is just going to have a stinker of a performance. Uh, but but you know, common sense says you have to take the Giants in this one. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, you guys are looking at the Giants' offense. I'm looking at the fact that Cutler is going to probably have at least two turnovers, so it's going to make it easy on the Giants, you know, maybe even a even a defensive touchdown. Um, so, yeah, we're going to sweep that one also. New York Giants. Okay. Okay, the Arizona Cardinals are on the road in a in a tough game. This was the toughest of uh, of all of them for me to pick here. There's pros and cons on each side. Arizona is at Minnesota, and the, and to make it even tougher, the game is a pick 'em. So no point spread. Just pick the winner. Um, just want to say I did it on Sunday. Predict this game would be a pick 'em, but um, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's tough. Uh, Arizona's not amazing on the road and I feel like sometimes we give them too much credit but then again they've you know not been awesome at home this year too but uh, I, 
I think they might have a few. Minnesota might have a few answers, and I think we saw more out of Minnesota last week than we expected. Uh, now they're back home. They lost another offensive lineman this week, so that that hurts. But I I I feel like somehow Minnesota gets it done in this game. So I'll, I'll take the Vikings, and I have no idea really why. I just think they could somehow do something. But they just got to win by one. All right, Nick, what do you think? I'm also going to go with Minnesota, mostly due to just how banged up Arizona's offensive line is. I think that's hampering their entire offense. And so, especially in just to pick them, I'll go with Minnesota at home. Well, I can't fault you guys for picking whichever way you want to pick. Um, the, the, the fact remains the Vikings haven't won since their bye week. Uh, they have no offense combined with a pretty darn good defense for Arizona. These are two desperate teams. They need to win. Uh, Minnesota, just for the fact that they've lost four in a row. Uh, Arizona is the better team, but Minnesota is at home. Uh, maybe the unders are good in this game. I think Arizona will exploit uh, kind of a vulnerable pass defense. I, the only vulnerability I see on this is the Vikings' pass defense. That's the only reason I'm taking Arizona. Um, We'll just agree to disagree on this one. I'll I'll take the uh, Arizona Cardinals. Hey, Josh. All right. Keep yawning into into my ear there. (laughs) I hope I'm not boring everybody. (laughs) Okay, we're good. All right. My microphone Uh, doesn't turn off. I don't know oh, okay. why, but it doesn't turn Yeah, off. you need a cough button mute, there. Even I when it's muted. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Buffalo is at Cincinnati. The uh, the Buffalo Bills are uh, underdogs. Now, this is another one that's uh, changed since this morning. Cincinnati was favored by three. It's now two and a half. Bengals by two and a half, ladies and gentlemen. Hmm. I, I just think Buffalo is scrappy and they they've proven to be a solid team on the road too. I I gotta take Buffalo in this game. I really don't have any regrets about it. I just Cincinnati just hasn't done anything really this year to inspire me. So I, I I'll go I'll go Buffalo. Give me some points, Nick. What do you think? Uh, yeah, Cincinnati's been one of the most disappointing teams in the league this year, right up with Arizona and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, Buffalo has is, is exceeded expectations, so I'm going to go with them, especially considering they're underdogs. Looks like we're going to sweep another one, guys. Um, my notes, Buffalo uh, has a capable pass defense. I, I like the way they defend the pass. Uh, their last game, you remember, they should have won in Seattle. They really got homered up there, but who doesn't get homered in Seattle? You know, when when they mention the 12th man in Seattle, I don't think they mean the crowd. I think they mean the referees of the 12th man uh, up there. Um, but I'm going to take Buffalo. I've been impressed with how uh, how Rex has kept them together. And, uh, I, you know, and the, I, you know I, I liked him plus three, so now it's plus two and a half. But I'll, I'll still take him. I'll look for the, uh, the Bills to win the game. I don't, know what the, I don't know what the cure is with Cincinnati, but they sure haven't found it yet. Yeah. That's a sweep. Yes. Okay, Baltimore, the Ravens, uh, with a good defense. They're in Dallas, and uh, Dallas is giving up seven points. Ravens at Dallas, Cowboys by seven. Um, I don't have any confidence in the Ravens right now, so I, I feel like 
I'm glad there's not a hook on it, so I'll take I'll take Dallas and lay those points. Nick, what do you think? I think one of these weeks Dallas is going to have a letdown game, but it's too hard to predict which week it's going to be. So as hot as they are right now, I can't pick against the Cowboys. It is going to be interesting this week. Remember how last week I told you that this uh, this thing, you know, uh, with Romo looming over Dak Prescott that is kind of feeding the machine and everything and Prescott having to go out and just impress every week. Now, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens uh with Romo coming out and and doing his uh his hangdog speech yesterday <laughs> and, and telling everyone yeah he's the quarterback and I, I was waiting for him to start crying in that thing uh but but how is this going to affect things i mean is is Prescott going to kind of sit back on his heels now and think okay i'm the starting quarterback you know i don't know i don't have an answer but i'm just saying it'll be interesting to watch this week and see how that dynamic has changed i think the uh, the ravens has the defense to make this close it's a big game. Uh, they had, there was a big game last week for the Cowboys. And uh, so I'll look for a letdown on a couple of fronts here. And I'm going to look for, even though I, you know, I expect Dallas to come out on top, I think Baltimore will, will hang in this game. So I'll take the uh, the Ravens plus seven. Okay. Pittsburgh Steelers coming up that loss to the Cowboys last week are in Cleveland to take on the Browns. Le'Veon Bell finally scored last week. Yay. Um, the Steelers are favored. Yeah, I know. It was great, but I still didn't win my fantasy game because Brady ate the big one. Uh, Pittsburgh oh, is favored by eight points in this game. Wow. Home team dog. Uh I just want to say again, what the hell was Cleveland doing? I said it at the top of the show. <laughs> They're down by three, or excuse me, down by six. Let's put Josh McKellen in. He throws two interceptions and fumbles the football. They lose by three touchdowns. Well, I mean, what was that? I mean, I hope they realized that was stupid. I mean, I, he said they were looking for a spark. That's what Hugh Jackson said. I, I, I don't know. Um, Cleveland. We, I think we just pick Cleveland every week because one of us, like, wants to be right when they actually win. And, hey, they've covered a few times, right? So let's, yeah, let's take yeah. Cleveland. Nick, we, we've been right a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> Cleveland Rocks, let's go plus eight. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I got to go with the Steelers in this one. I just can't, especially as good as the Steelers' offense looked last week. Looks like Ben is uh, finally healthy again. So yeah, I think they can dominate this one. Oh, Nick, I was hoping you would make it a sweep there. Um, <laughs> the, these two cities are very close together. In fact, they take a bus instead of a plane, I believe, whenever they play each other. Um, it, it really is, I mean, you know, say what you want to about, you know, the strength of either team, but it, it's quite a rivalry between Pittsburgh and, and Cleveland. Um, I'm looking at my notes here. Pittsburgh Steelers need a, uh, need a statement, but I don't think they're going to get it here. I, I I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go with you, Josh, and and pick the hapless Cleveland Browns. You know what? I mean, they may be. Oh, what are they? Zero and ten now. Yeah, but they are not zero and ten against the spread. So I'm going to take or, the Cleveland Browns. So apparently, in our hearts, that's We're right. not zero and ten in our hearts. We we still have faith in them. That should be the cry in the stands. Go Cleveland. Keep it close. Um, I'm, I'll, I'll take the Browns uh, 
plus eight points in this game. I'll I'll, uh, I'll drink the Kool-Aid with you, Josh. All right, we start the late games now. Uh, and the first late game, well, on the sheet anyway, is uh, the Miami Dolphins in L.A. to take on the Rams. And the Dolphins are a road favorite, favored by one and a half over the Rams. Um, with Jared Goff, I know I Miami. Mention. Yes, I know both of these teams are hovering around 500, and Miami, you know, they could maybe even find themselves slipping into the wild card. I mean, I don't think anybody would be surprised by that. Um, it is weird that they are a road favorite. I wonder when the last time they were a road favorite is. But I mean, come on. It is the Rams, and I know there's a new quarterback, but this has got to be the who cares team of the week, right? <laughs> I, I mean, come on. I mean, I, I know there's a little bit more going into this, but it just – and maybe the Rams are a little more interesting now with Jared Goff, and as a Jared Goff fantasy owner, I'll be watching this game and uh, seeing how he, how he stacks up, but uh, – um, Miami's gonna win this game. It's not gonna. It's gonna be by like seven or ten points. So I'll take Miami. No problem. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, if Case Keenum was uh, playing, I think I would probably lean with the Rams. But I'm pretty sure there's a reason Jared Goff hasn't seen the field up to this point, and the Rams both their season shot, so they might as well get him some practice and reps uh, leading into next year. As a Kenny Britt owner, I'm really worried because he was a big part of a big surprise part of one of my fantasy teams. But yeah, with, since it's the new quarterback playing in his first game, I'll go with the Dolphins. I want to tell you guys uh, before I get into my pick what this what this game has done ever since it, it came on the board. It came on the board as a, a pick'em game, then went to uh, Rams minus one, and then went back to pick'em. Then went to Rams minus one. Then went back to pick them. Then went to Rams plus one. Then went back to pick them. Then went back up to Rams <laughs> plus one, and it's now at Rams plus one and a half. And I think that was uh, when uh, they announced Jared Goff would be the starter. Everybody started piling on the Dolphins. Um, the Dolphins are a hot team this year. They've been playing really well. The Rams are, of course, are starting Goff. Uh, I think the inspiration is on the side of the Rams in here, plus you add to the fact that Miami just came out to the West Coast last week. Now they're coming back to the West Coast. Um, it's It's been a lot of travel for the Dolphins, and I think that'll take its toll. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, and go with, uh, with Jeff Fisher here as he uh, marches back toward 500, and I'm going to take the, uh, the Rams plus that one and a half, though, you know, right there. That's big. All right. Next yeah. game is the uh, the New England Patriots, who basically lost my fantasy football season for me last week by having such a bad performance. Um, on the road to San Francisco, the uh, Patriots are favored by 13 points. Now, this is interesting. The over-under in this game is 51.5, and, and the Patriots may score all 51 of those points. <laughs> um, so, Sam Fran... I, I had a feeling about San Fran last Sunday. After, of course, after we made our picks on Wednesday, but uh, that they would maybe keep it close. And they're still getting. I mean, I know this is New England, but they were thirteen and a half point underdogs last week. They only lost by three. Now they're back at home, playing the Gronkless New England Patriots, and it's still thirteen points. I I'm going to curse myself for doing this, but I'm going to take San Francisco. And can I get an odd hush? 
Won't hear anything from me. <laughs> All right. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I think if Gronk was playing, I would go New England in a heartbeat. But without Gronk, this isn't the same offense. And I think San Francisco can make just enough plays to keep it to within 10 or so points. So I'll take the Niners to cover the spread. You guys remember last year when uh, San Francisco won their first game of the year at home and everybody thought, hey, here we go, and then they just went on to disappoint? Well, this year uh, we've been fooled again into thinking San Francisco is going to be a (laughs) going to be a home dog, a good home dog. Since their opening win against the Rams, San Francisco has lost by 7 to Dallas, by 12 to Arizona, by 17 to Tampa Bay, and by 18 to New Orleans. So simply by extrapolating this out, they're going to lose by more than 18 points. I've got it all figured out, you guys. And okay. uh, I did not know that Gronk wasn't playing, but I think that Marty from the Imagination Agency, Martellus Bennett, uh, is going to fill in for Gronk nicely. Did you see the game last week when they did the player introductions before the game? And Martellus Bennett, no. he was, you know how they look in the camera and tell what college they're from? Well, they, they introduced Martellus Bennett, and he says, Marty, from the Imagination Agency. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it was kind of funny. Uh, so I'm going I'm to uh, take maybe New England. Maybe you lost a bet. Yeah, he may be. All right. I'm, I'm going to take the yeah. Patriots minus 13 and uh, just they – they they come back nicely from losses, so so let's let's take the uh, let's take the Patriots in this one. We'll never again pick That's the Forty Nineers. <laughs> um, I think your math just said they were going to win by eighteen. So do you want to do you want to get do you want to go minus minus eighteen for us? Let's say they're going to win by more than eighteen. It's gonna it's gonna go. It's it's right. going to be more than eighteen. So I'll, yeah, I'll say I'll, I'll give nineteen points. See if I can win that one. So me, so me and Nick get thirteen. <laughs> you get eighteen. It'd Write be it like teasing. It'd be like teasing the Niners. <laughs> <laughs> there you All go. right. Philadelphia Eagles are in Seattle to take on uh, the, the Seattle and the referees, and the Seahawks and the referees are favored <laughs> by six and a half points. That is such a bogus every single week Seattle's favored by six and a half at home. I mean, isn't it? It's just like unless they're playing somebody else. Um, I don't know. They had an impressive win. Are they, are they are they in for a letdown? I mean, so Seattle gets three points at home and the refs get another three and a half. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that's too many points. I don't think Philly can win this game, but I think it's, just a little bit too many points. I think you're going to see uh, a stout Philly defense in this game. So we'll, I'll, I'll give it. I'll give it Philly if you're going to give me some points. I don't know why, but why not? Nick, what do you think? Did we lose Nick? Nick. <laughs> oh, he's back. Okay. Nick. Okay. Uh, <laughs> deserves some sort of like post award for us. But anyway, back to the game. I, I just see it. Keep that down here. Impressive, but. Did you say Seahawks, Nick? Yes, I did. Okay, good. All right. Um, Philadelphia, uh, even though they have a good defense, I want to uh, to uh, give you the point totals they've given up when they're on the road. 24, 27, 29, 28. They're averaging 27 points per game given up 
on the road. Uh, with the Seattle defense, I think they can probably hold the uh, – it's going to be tough for the rookie quarterback against the Seattle D up there, especially in that stadium. So, I mean, you know, if uh, if Seattle scores, you know, the, the average 27, maybe 24 points at least, uh, I don't look for Philadelphia to get any more than seven points. So I'm going to go ahead and take Seattle in this game, even though, you know, probably know I hate picking Seattle, but I'm going to go ahead and take the uh, the Seahawks here. Okay. Sunday Sunday night we have uh next Washington Redskins at home against the Green Bay Packers who've uh, who've uh, hit the skids I guess you could say. The uh the Redskins are favored in this game by two and a half points. Okay, Nick, what do you got for us? Uh I don't like it, especially after Green Bay beat the Skins uh last year in the playoffs, but I think the Skins can get some revenge. Uh the Packers they just haven't been in sync all season long, so I'm gonna go with Washington, but I don't love it. Uh, I think you make a great point with the revenge game, which is something I kinda of forgot about. So I I think Washington's gonna do, do everything possible to, to come out and um get their get their vengeance uh their vengeance, their vengeful fix. I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but yeah, I like, I like Washington too. Um, and I'm actually, I'm more confident than Nick, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it my lock of the week. How about that? <laughs> well, I hate to go against your lock of the week, Josh. Um, I'm gonna take, <laughs> I'm gonna take Green Bay for a couple of reasons. First of all, I'm a masochist and I hate myself. Uh, but second <laughs> of all, the uh, Redskins gave up. Some passing yards last week against the Vikings. Um, the uh, you probably guys, you guys probably know the Packers don't really uh, exist on their run. Uh, they don't depend on the depend on the run. That would be an understatement. Um, Clay Matthews and Micah Hyde were both bracket practice this week, so we're going to get a little help on defense for the Packers uh, this week. And uh, I was listening to somebody. Oh, it's on the radio, and they talked about the, you know how Green Bay has been really poor against the pass the last couple games that uh, that Clay Matthews has been out. So I'm going to look for him to give him a little boost, and I'm going to look for the Packers to. I mean, this just isn't their tradition to to lose games like this. So I'm going to uh, go ahead and take the Packers plus the points here. Hang on, I'm going to. I didn't check that line again, so let me make sure the line is still two and a half here, you guys. It is okay. And we move on to Sunday night or Monday night, excuse me. Yeah, that Packers Washington game is Sunday night football. On Monday night, uh in in Mexico, Josh, your Raiders are kind of at home against the Houston Texans and uh the Raiders are favored by uh, sporting five and a half point favorite titles. Um I just want, sorry, one more question about that Washington game. Nick is uh Nick, are you at all worried about the uh the uh, Trent Williams suspension is that is that pretty big for Washington to lose their offensive oh, tackle? Yeah. yeah, that's huge. Anytime you lose your best offensive lineman, especially when your best lineman is a left tackle, that's a big big impact on the offense. So hopefully they can uh, they can get through it. But yeah, it, it, it's definitely going to have an impact. Almost makes me want to change my pick, but I'm not. I still got I still got my lock of the week. Um, <laughs> Well, you Mexico can take it down City, a notch the, from. Hey, Josh, you can you can you can remove that lock of the week designation from it if you want. <laughs> maybe it's, maybe it's more of a locket. Um, no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, a little Six, clasp of the week. <laughs> yes, there you go. <laughs> um, All right. Yeah, this is in Mexico City. 
And what was the line you had? Six. Oakland favored by five and a half. Oh. Si, senor. I, uh, yeah, this might be the first. I don't. Is this the first game ever in Mexico City? Uh, I don't know. No, but, I, uh, I uh, heard that it was the second game, but there hasn't been one since like 2005 or 2007, something like that. Okay. Um, I, I'm a little surprised because this is essentially a neutral site that the spread would be that much. Um, I don't believe Oakland is that much better than Houston just because that Houston defense can, can, can make some plays. So I, I, I'd like to be happy either way, as you know. <laughs> so um, I will be ecstatic to be wrong on Monday night. Uh, so I'll, I'll take Houston if you're going to give me five and a half points. Nick, what do you think? Well, I'm going to go with the Raiders, and I would like it a heck of a lot more if this game was in Oakland as opposed to the neutral site. Uh, but yeah, I, I just think that the offense that Oakland has is way, way better than anything uh, uh, Houston can bring to the table with Brock Osweiler and company. So I'll go with the Raiders. Interesting thing about the Texans. Before uh, they won on the road for the first time last week against uh, – at Jacksonville, um, but if you uh, if you lay aside that win, the uh, the Texans on the road this year have uh, lost by an average of 21 points. So not good on the road, and uh, the, the the Raiders will treat this as a home game. I I, I have my faith in them, so I'm going to go ahead and take the Raiders minus five and a half. Okay. That's it. We got through it. We sure did. And uh, next week we're going to be a day early, right, for everybody? Yes. Yes, thank you for the reminder. Yes, we'll come to you on Tuesday. So when you're driving on Wednesday to your uh, families or your grandmas or whatever, you'll have something to listen to. Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. Drive. God, and, I can't uh, believe has yeah. Thanksgiving Thanksgiving has really, really jumped up on us this year. I didn't even realize it's already next week when we get to uh, handicap, what, three Thursday games next week? Uh, yeah, three Thursday games. Yep, I, I kind of kind of crept up on me, too, and we're going to talk – we're going to talk giving out uh, turkey legs and the question and answer on Sunday because those will be for uh, next week already. So uh, look forward to reading that on Sunday. Oh, not no, actual or... turkey legs. Not actual turkey legs, no. Oh, I, just figurative, <laughs> figurative turkey legs. Yes, one of the, one of our question and answers, Q, questions from the Q&A this week is who's going to be the top scoring fantasy player on Thanksgiving? So one Pick a player in the three games of Thanksgiving. So uh-huh. look forward to reading that on Sunday. Well, here's some good news: the uh, the Lions will be playing the Jaguars on. The <laughs> no, they got Minnesota. On Thanksgiving. Oh, Minnesota, they do. Wait a minute. Oh, yeah, they Lions played the Jaguars this week. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. I was looking this week. Okay, that'll be a good game. Lions and Vikings. And then Washington at Dallas. So Dallas, big letdown game for Dallas, right, Nick? Wow, that's a big game too. <laughs> yeah, we we can only hope. Uh, and what's yeah. the evening game? I don't have that right here. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh at Indianapolis. Well, though, I think that's a pretty good menu for uh, for Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. So that's. Uh, that is all we have for you. As as always, thanks for being our ATS guy, Chuck. Once you, yeah. you, you want to run down the clean sweeps for us real quick? 
Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. We uh, we swept New Orleans. All of us think New Orleans is going to uh, keep it close against Carolina. We took Tennessee plus three against Indianapolis. The Chiefs minus seven and a half against Tampa Bay. And the Giants minus seven and a half against the Bears. Boy, two seven and a half point favorites we took there. And we all took the Buffalo Bills plus two and a half against Cincinnati and then disagreed for the rest of the way. <laughs> Uh, and what was the line on the on the New Orleans game? New Orleans, uh, Carolina's favored by three and a half. So late field goal uh, to beat us, and we win. All right, cool. Well, thank you as always for being our our ATS man, Chuck. And we will talk to you next Tuesday. Thanks, you guys. Have a great weekend. Okay, you too, uh, Nick. Any closing thoughts there? I uh, just want to apologize again for all the technical difficulties that have been going on this week, and hopefully uh, that's the last we'll have those. All right. Yeah, we. I at one point I called out the phone service of Hawaii, so maybe maybe they're listening and they will uh, they will know that they did you wrong today. And uh, yeah, uh, it's it's no problem. I think uh, I think there was more glitches than people realized because there was a few times where. We just kind of fly, just kind of flowed with it and brought back Nick uh, back Nick in. So don't uh, I don't know why I told you that because now you know. But uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, hopefully you get signed on next. So thank you as always, Nick, for for being my for being my right hand man, and uh, we will talk to you next Tuesday. All right, have a great week. You too. Yeah, yeah.